Okay, well, hey, we are in this series that I've titled All, A-L-L, and there are um, kind of three sections to it. Um, the first one is, was about the greatest commandment, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's kind of directed upward. We did four uh, messages on that. I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those. The second part, though, was about our love for each other. In this passage I dove into last week, uh, Ephesians 4, it says that we are, in a sense, are to love each other with all, everybody say all, all humility, and then it talks about gentleness and patience and bearing with one another. Then the third section of this series is going to start next week, and it's going to go throughout the rest of October, and it's from the greatest, Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, all right? So we are in this last part of the middle section here, and um, let me give you a recap of it. So kind of two weeks ago, I, I talked about what did Jesus want, what did he envision when he th was thinking about, dreaming about the relationships of his body, like his people, and particularly, I focused in John 13 through 17 that first week because he was giving a lot of stuff to his disciples. Okay, this is just a few days before he's about to die. And he's talking about lo love was the main message, like a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And no one loves, you know, greater than this and to lay down his life for his friends. And, and so anyways, we, we kind of got onto that tangent. What did he envision? And here's a couple descriptive things that I put on the screen I want to show you again. Um, here's what I'm assuming he did not envision based on the things that he said in John 13 through 17. He did not envision his church, and, and again, think about people in this room, having these types of uh, things being true, being loose and disconnected. You know, it's, it's so simple what we just did. Stood up, try to find somebody that you don't know, and shake hands. And it's because, man, we don't want to be loose and disconnected. We want to know each other. You know, you're all facing the front, leaning this way. In a sense, you're like kind of coming to hear one person share. But it's like this is a family. You know, we want to have interconnected relationship. We want to get to know each other. And so I don't think he in, um, envisioned that. Also, people individualistic or noncommittal put self at the center or are indifferent about the depth, quality, and duration of relationships. But here's um, some more encouraging slide here of maybe what he did envision. Close and loyal relationships, people committed to one another and are together often, those that put others first and are determined to let nothing divide or sever long-lasting relationships. Man, wouldn't that be amazing if that was true in this church body? You know, because you know what it would do to all of us? It would release, like, in our hearts a, a security and a peace about the relationships here. You know, if we're constantly worried, is somebody going to turn their back on me? Is, you know, somebody going to come, whatever, slander me or gossip at me or be offended and just whatever, not accept me, then, man, that is not a safe and secure environment. But if we, by the grace of God, because, listen, we need his grace for this. The love that Jesus is talking about is not a love you can just do on your own, you know, best day. You know, this is a supernatural work of God's spirit for us to be able to love this way. That's why we need him so desperately. Um, but when we do love this way, man, this is a safe environment. Man, this is a, you know, you can have security in your heart because you know we've got each other's back. Amen? Let's look around this room again to see a few more faces again, you know, and just be, be thinking. Why don't you actually find somebody, point to them and say, I got your back. I got your back. Come on, even if there's somebody right next to you, say, I got your back. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. I'm for you. All right. Okay, so that first week was, you know, what Jesus wanted. Last week was how he gets it, and that is through humility. Everybody say humility. You know, step one to having genuine, loving relationships with another is that we all personally take seriously this call of Scripture to walk in humility. So I unpacked that last week. So it was what he wanted, how he gets it, and then this week is how it is sustained. And the way that this love that Jesus is talking about is sustained it starts kind of like, think of a car. It's like uh, you put in the ignition, you're, you're starting it, and it starts with humility. The way that it is sustained, the car keeps running, the fuel, so to speak, is forgiveness. So everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness. Awesome. So I'm going to be diving into forgiveness um, for the rest of this morning. So the reality is that we must practice forgiveness. There is no way around it. In fact, there is no way to do close relationships for a long period of time without practicing forgiveness. Now, this is such a huge topic that I, I cannot unpack it in one sermon in 30 minutes, okay? So here's the QR code on the screen. If you want to pull out your phone real quick, that would probably be 
good for you. Just pull out your phone and take a picture real quick of this QR code because what you'll find on here, there's uh, a four-week series by um, Upper Room in Dallas where there is a series on forgiveness that um, the pastor there, Michael Miller, did, and it was really good. I listened to several of them to help me prepare for this message. There's also um, two books on this QR code. One is called The Bait of Satan by a guy named John Bevere, and the whole premise of, of his book is, you know, when we... When someone does this wrong, there's like this bait that the enemy puts out, and it's this bait of offense. And if we bite on that, we take offense at something, the enemy can totally wreak havoc in our souls. And so he's exposing that um, scheme of the enemy. Then another book on there is titled Forgiveness by Timothy Keller. That was uh, his last book, his last work before he passed away uh, just, um, just a little bit ago. But it's really, really key, and I would love for you guys to have other resources that you can dive into because this is less about me giving a good message. This is about us walking this out together. How do we actually embrace forgiveness if it really is a key value in Scripture? All right, now here's the deal, guys. Here's the sobering truth. This message is so needed right now. And it is absolutely, like, so countercultural. Like, that's not even enough. That phrase is not even enough because what is right, like, we have a stronghold in our culture of unforgiveness. We, it is almost, it is celebrated these days. It is, it is this growing anger, divisiveness, like, I'm going to get justice. Uh, it's, it's, and it's severing relationships and causing division, and unfortunately, even in the body of Christ. But it's, it's prettied up a little bit. It's under the guise of, like, justice. I'm going to get justice. Or it's under the guise of, I just need healthy boundaries, so I'm going to push this person away. Or it's even in the guise of, I'm going to stand for righteousness. You know, that thing is sinful and that's wrong, and so in an, almost an angry tone, I'm going to stand for righteousness, okay? And I'm going I'm to hit people with righteousness. You know, it's like, this is, that is, that is not the spirit or the heart that God is after. And um, really, it's a cover-up oftentimes, to cover up and a justification for harboring unforgiveness and bitterness. And I want to just clearly and boldly expose what's happening so that we as the people of God can learn how to respond to this and to see what Jesus says. Now, here's the deal. There is injustice in the world. There is oppression. There are people doing really evil things. Okay? There is a place for boundaries sometimes. However, the call of Jesus remains the same, no matter what evil. It is forgiveness. It is forgiveness. And he even says it to us as for our own freedom, for our own sakes, that we are not gripped with the bondage of unforgiveness. Because even think about the, the, wrong, the, the, the greatest injustice ever in human history. The, 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 the most gruesome thing was the perfect son of God, brutally murdered but you know what came out of him on the cross forgiveness Luke 23 34 I'm not familiar with this father forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing this is the, that is the greatest injustice the most perfect the most humble the most pure the most amazing man that's ever walked the earth brutally killed well what came out of him was love and forgiveness so let it be so with us, amen, as his followers. We want to follow in his footstep. And here's the deal. It's a command all over scripture. So let me just give you a rapid fire of scriptures. This is just such a clear biblical teaching, forgiveness. But here's the deal. It's also unique to followers of Jesus. It is unique to um, the, the teachings of Jesus. This teaching of forgiveness is not in all the world religions. It's definitely not in our culture. And so this stands out. And so I want you guys to understand that this is a rarity to find um, in the world. So here's just a rapid fire of a bunch of scriptures. Colossians 3, uh, 12 to 13. They'll all be on the screen. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How has the Lord forgiven us? Fully, completely, totally, a lot. Somebody said, Yes. He says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
And here it is again. As God in Christ forgave you. Let's keep going. Luke 6, 27. It doesn't have the word forgiveness in it, but it's definitely in the same heart. And I want you to see the, the subject of the forgiveness. Um, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Whoa, that is, that is different <laughs> than what we hear uh, on the latest podcast or the latest post. What? This is from the words of Jesus. Even our enemies, he wants forgiveness flowing out. And then last but not least, Matthew 6, this is the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as what? We also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Pause. That's where we like to end this passage, but Jesus said one more thing. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So I'm just going to leave you with the words of Jesus. How many times we see these scary scriptures and um, we kind of like try to justify them, make them not feel so intense, but I'm not going to soften it. Let's just look at the words of Jesus and why don't you just think about it. You know, let's just think about it. All right, our culture is under attack from a spirit of offense, was what I like to call it. Matthew 24, kind of this prophecy of the end times. Jesus is listening about some things that will happen, and he says this little phrase, many will become offended. I also relate it to Revelation chapter 12, where um, it talks about how the enemy is thrown down, and he's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses people day and night before the Father. It's kind of like a similar to a spirit of accusation and offense. And... Um, Man, I just don't want us as the people of God to take the bait of offense, take the bait of accusation. A sign that you've taken the bait of offense is like what's coming out of your heart, your mouth, your mind is accusation towards somebody else. And we need to repent for agreeing with that offense because we are not entitled as a believer to hold on to any offense no matter how wrong the wrong was. And before I keep going with forgiveness, let me just pause and say a very important note. Okay, every one of us in this room, have, you've experienced pain. Is that true? If not, you're not a human. <laughs> you've experienced hurt from somebody, okay? And some of you, it's been very, very, very difficult. And here's why I want to pause, because this, this teaching is not a teaching on um, the empathy and compassion of Jesus. But I do want to just stress, oh my goodness, if you are carrying pain in this room and someone has done, done you wrong, there is so much grace in the eyes of Jesus for you. And he wants you to come close and he wants you to say what they did was wrong and I want to heal you. He wants to pull you close. I love that, that last song we were singing, Lean Back. Just, I just was praying as we were singing that. I just feel like the Lord wants to bring us close this morning. Restore us, pour out his love, speak identity over us. And, and part of that is, the Lord healing those of us that are carrying pain from wrong things people did to us. And so I just, I just want you to know this is not a teaching on the empathy and compassion of Jesus um, or a teaching on how to weep with those who weep, but it is a crucial part to us walking out forgiveness. I just wanted to say that on the front end. And there will be a time at the end for us to come and receive prayer if you need healing from any, anything that's really been bothering you, hurting you, something that somebody has done. All right? Now, the reason I, I want to focus in on forgiveness is because what, um, what unforgiveness does to us. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, that when we don't practice forgiveness and we harbor offense and we don't release somebody, what happens is there's this thing called a root of bitterness that gets into our soul. All right, Hebrews 12, 15 is on the screen. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Now the way, don't you leave that up there for a second? The way that um, this root of bitterness gets into us and just messes up our soul and our relationships and the way we feel and think about other people is by simply by not forgiving or by not taking the process or the topic of forgiveness very seriously, or I'll even say not taking forgiveness deep enough. More specifically, kind of where this root of bitterness kind of stems from is related to another scripture in Ephesians 4. Some of you will be familiar with this one. It says, um, be angry and do not sin. 
and do not let the sun go down on your anger. But then the next part is really interesting. It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Or another translation says, like, don't let the devil have a foothold in you. A couple comments on this. You can leave that up there. Um, oftentimes, at least I've heard many times in marriages, my wife and I have interpreted it this way before, but we've learned a few things. Is oftentimes we read that verse, don't let your son go down in your anger. And so we think, okay, before we go to bed every night, we're going we're gonna to resolve every conflict. And we've had that goal sometimes. And then we're like, in the, it's like approaching midnight, and we're still so mad at each other trying to figure something out. And we're like, we're just tired and grumpy. Like, let's go to bed. Like, but Ephesians 4 says, don't, <laughs> don't let the sun. I was like, the sun's already down. It's midnight, okay? <laughs> what else? I mean, we already messed up, okay? Uh, and so I think there's a better uh, kind of interpretation or application of this. And it's, um, it's like, don't let it go unattended to don't let it let anger stay in you boiling without at least saying one tiny sentence to god i'm angry <laughs> like if you invite god into anger you will be a lot more free <laughs> if when i invite god into my anger and my offenses Oh, my goodness, I am headed down the right path. Not everything's solved yet, but I'm like, oh, okay. I've got a super, like, supernatural, powerful God is going to help me with my emotions. And I'm inviting him in. So I think a better, now, of course, it would be great if you more than whisper one phrase, God, I'm angry. But I think this is a great application of, like, make sure we're inviting God into the places that we feel offended, frustrated, angry, annoyed, whatever words you want to use. Some of you don't use the word angry. <laughs> you're just like, I'm frustrated. Like, no, you're really angry is actually what you are. Frustrated is just a nicer way to say it. <laughs> okay. Um, and, man, we just, we just need to invite God. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let it stay in you without it being tended to by God, without bringing your heart before God. And oftentimes, yes, it does mean talking with the offender, the person you're angry with. But I will even add this. If you don't go to God first and let him into the emotional place of your soul, then what's going to come out of you when you're trying to address it with somebody else is not going to be uh, a, a – It's not that conflict's not going to go very well. <laughs> Okay, the Lord needs to touch us, needs to tenderize our hearts, soften our heart, lead us to that place of forgiveness, and then we can address things with other people. Now, the second half of this verse and says, don't let the enemy have opportunity. The reality is, guys, there is a demonic nature uh, to unforgiveness. And we'll look at a passage in Matthew 18 in just a second. Um, but I just, I just want you to realize the reason I'm saying that is because it's, it's really serious. When we hold unforgiveness and don't let somebody off our hook, don't forgive, then we are opening up a door to the enemy to wreak havoc in our life. And the one who's hurt, like, it's, it's, it's not the person that wronged us. It's us. We're the ones that get hurt. And I want us to take it really seriously. Here's a couple ways that, you know, unforgiveness or bitterness, some signs of it, or just ways that it affects us. One is we're pretty, we, um, we close off to other people, specifically those that have hurt us. If you feel like a wall put up with anybody in this room or anybody in your life, that's a sign that you're probably holding some measure of unforgiveness or bitterness. Uh, also, it's, we're just, tend to project onto others our own pain and offenses, meaning we think someone's out to get us or we think that that person's going to do the same type of thing to us. We're constantly fearful of the same type of hurt happening again, or we have this feeling that someone's out to get us. Um, oftentimes, the sign is our speech is negative. Uh, we become a whisperer, which means you turn and whisper, and did you see, did you hear, did you... Um, bitterness pretends to want compassion, but really what it wants is company. It wants to win others over. It's begging for the response of the person that you're talking to to say, gosh, I can't believe they did that to you. And bitterness has a strange way of spreading. That's what it says in Hebrews 12, 15. It's like, take care so that no root of bitterness comes and defiles many. I just want you to know that Jesus, he is so compassionate, but he would not respond with, gosh, I can't believe they did that to you. He would say, I'm so sorry you're hurt. Let me heal you, but let me also walk you through forgiveness. Let me help you release that person. Hey, other signs that you might be holding unforgiveness is you just, there's somebody you just can't be around or you constantly avoid them. 
And if their name is mentioned, you automatically start having negative emotions or negative thoughts. Uh, you see them on social media, and you ha manifest a demon inside. <laughs> All right, who's some people that you can be bitter towards or have unforgiveness towards? Really, it's anybody. Um, of course, those that wrong you, but another layer to that is those that represent those who've wronged you. You can have bitterness and unforgiveness even towards yourself for the wrong things that uh, you've done or I've, you know, we've done in our past. Uh, I put God on this list. Um, now, God can't do anything wrong, and so in a sense, we don't need to forgive him, but oftentimes we hold grudges or offenses, in a sense, toward God, mainly because he, he didn't do what we thought he was going to do, or he didn't do something in the timing or in the way that we thought he was going to do it, and we hold offenses toward God. And um, listen, guys, God can, God can take a lot from us. Okay, but what we need to do is we need to acknowledge to God that we feel these offenses. God, I'm, I just confess I'm frustrated or I'm angry at you. Confess it. But what we don't want to do is stay there and accept it and almost think that it's better to like say, yeah, I'm mad at God. Like some, I've heard it a few times. I'm just I'm mad at God and, and it's almost casual. Like, no, I'm not that mad at that person who wronged me. I'm just kind of mad at God that God let that person wrong me. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't stay there. <laughs> Like, repent. We have no entitlement to be angry at a perfect, amazing, loving God that's so kind to us. And so it's okay if you feel those things, but just don't stay there. Say, God, I confess I feel this way, but Lord, I repent for being mad at you. You did nothing wrong. Help me in my perspective. Heal me, God. You know, he'll meet with us in those places, but I just don't want us to stay there. And then you can also be bitter and have unforgiveness towards systems, towards organizations, towards groups, towards government. And just monitor what is your attitude toward different things and people and groups because it could be signs that there's some unforgiveness or bitterness there. Now, let's look at Scripture. Matthew chapter 18 is going to be the main passage, a little bit of a, a longer passage. It's a parable from Jesus. But turn there to Matthew 18 if you got your Bible. And uh, just a quick heads up, um, in November, we are doing a three-part series on uh, biblical sexuality or human sexuality. And during that series, I am not going to put any scriptures on the screen because I want you to learn how to read your Bible, okay? Especially when we talk about hard topics that are very countercultural, I want you to see it for yourself because so many of you, you're just taking my word for it. And listen, I, I know I'm not trying to deceive you, but I'm just, I don't want you just to take my word for it, all right? I could literally just say, hey, turn to this, you know, and then put something totally random on the screen, you know? Like we can just type it in, whatever we want. All right, so I want you to see it in the Word of God. Now, we don't do that, okay? Only Larry, when he preaches, he, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, we don't do that, but I'm just, I, uh, just giving you a heads up. A few, a few weeks from now, bring your, make sure you bring your Bible to church. We'll remind you, uh, but it's, it's helpful just to see it, okay? Um, all right, where am I at? Matthew 18, all right? And so, a huge key to breakthrough in unforgiveness is when we take time to meditate on God's forgiveness towards us. We can't really get very far if we have never seen or, I'll say it this way, experienced a forgiveness that really touches the core of us. It's hard to release that or, or, or give that out to other people if we haven't like, received or experienced true forgiveness. When you see stories or testimonies or see videos of people having this powerful moment of forgiveness and releasing somebody, man, it touches our core. We need to see pictures of this, and there is no greater, you know, forgiveness story for us to meditate on than God's forgiveness toward us, and there's a lot of depth to it, and so this is kind of the thrust of this passage parable I'm going to be talking about, Matthew 18, is to think about how much God has forgiven us because then it will empower us to forgive others. Okay, Matthew 18, you there? All right. 21, verse 21, it says this, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, <laughs> Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Let me just pause. Man, Peter is just a fun character. Oh, good old Petey. He's like trying to like, he's just, I think he's like proud of himself because Jesus just said something about not holding grudges and and uh, if your brother sins against you, and, and Peter's like, guys, watch this. Jesus, how many times should I forgive? 
everyone's like twice, you know, seven, you know, and he's like, he just thinks he's just like so amazing. And Jesus is like, Peter, no, you know, 77 times, which, you know, if you do the math, it's 490, but I don't think that's what Jesus meant. All right. Uh, but 490 is a lot. It's this phrase of like, no, keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. And the context of this is the same person for the same thing. Uh oh. All right. We can forgive, you know, like once or twice, but it's like the same person for the same thing over and over again. Oop. All right. That's the call of scripture right here. Verse 23. Here's the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Everybody say, all that debt. Because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. And let me comment on a couple things from this parable. I want you to think about, and I think you get to feel the weight of this story, especially that last sentence is kind of his summary of it. But I want you to think about the amount of debt that this original guy owed his master. It said the phrase uh, 10,000 talents. Okay, anybody know what a talent is? Footnotes in my Bible say, hold on. Let me get my readers on. Uh, a talent was worth about 20 years wages. One talent worth 20 years wages. So I did a little bit of math. Okay, if this person made about $60,000 a year, um, so 20 years of that, and then it says 10,000 talents. That would be about $12 billion. That's how much this guy owed, but he was forgiven. Like the debt was released. Now listen, think about the master. Like he just lost $12 billion. He's like, He just gave $12 billion away in a sense, but he did it. He did it freely. And then compare it to what was owed this other guy who was forgiven that $12 billion debt. It says that he was owed 100 denarii. Okay, and a denarius was about a, day, a day's wage for a laborer. Okay, and I don't know the exact math, but kind of using that same pay scale, I multiply that out, and that would be about um, $23,000. Now, my math could be totally wrong because I don't know, understand all the cultural context of this and who's the worker and what their job is and all that stuff, but I just use that same amount. And I, I like using that amount because it helps me with something. The guy who had this offense and this, you know, the guy who got, he got forgiven of his $12 billion debt. There's another guy that owed him something. And it wasn't nothing. Like if this story was this guy owed him one penny, then we would think it would make this story more dramatic. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you didn't forgive him. But it wasn't nothing. It, he still felt it. Hundred Like I still feel that. But the call in, in the comparison between these debts is really, I think, the point of this story. 12 billion versus 23,000, that's a really small percentage still, even though you might feel it, even though it might be hard. And so I think here's for us. Even though other people wrong us and we feel it, we have been forgiven $12 billion worth. And so this compared to what we, how we have offended God, how we've turned our heart against God, how we've rejected him, the perfect God who gave us life and breath. The forgiveness he's lavished on us is so much more vast 
than any forgiveness we might ever extend to somebody else. And I don't want us to miss that. If we realize how much God has forgiven us, then it will be not easy, but easier to forgive others. So just take a second, even if you want right now, and just think about how much has God forgiven you. Actually, let me just pray. Lord, I ask you, you would show us, open our eyes and unblind us to how much we have been forgiven and the weight of the debt that we owe you. Yet you, wa- you washed us clean. You wiped our debt clean. Lord, I'm asking for an increase of an awareness of how much um, we owe you, yet you still forgive us. Would it empower us to forgive others? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just something to be thinking about as um, you're, you're meditating on this process of forgiveness. Think about how much God has forgiven you. And, you know, there's a guy in, in the Bible that seems like he really meditated on the forgiveness of God. He saw, he walked with Jesus. He saw him probably on the cross. It was very familiar. And it's and Acts 7, verse 60 is the story of Stephen, kind of the first martyr in the early church. And look what comes out of this guy when he is being killed and being stoned. It says he falls on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This man, Stephen, was radically transformed by the forgiveness and the cross of Jesus. And guess what, guys? This can be us. We can be so deeply transformed that when someone is wronging us, forgiveness can come out. Think about what Stephen was facing. Literally rocks and huge stones were being thrown at him, and this is what comes out of him. And then he died. It's crazy. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to get into some practicals as I'm closing out this message, all right? Um, I'm going to explain a couple different contexts of applying forgiveness. One is probably what most of us might be thinking about as I talk about forgiveness is you might be thinking about the people in the past that have hurt you in kind of bigger ways. The, one, the, the hurt that's a little more memorable, yes? Okay, everyone has some memorable hurt, yes? And some real serious wrongs, right? And listen, you need to start there. Because if we don't deal with the big things, the big hurts in us, then the same feelings and emotions will rear up again. And again, we'll project it on other people and it'll affect our current relationships. All right? So that's one context that I do want us to respond to today. But here's another context that's totally different than that. And it's like the little offenses with the people that you're very close to. The, li- the little offenses with the people you're really close to. And I don't even say that's the better context of this whole series I'm doing is like, how do we love each other well? All right. So think about your spouse if you're married. Think about your children. Think about your roommates. Okay. Think about people in your life group. Okay. Think about these um, situations. Think about if you're um, just your co-leaders. Think about people you lead something with. Think about your oh people you do uh, group projects with in school. Okay. Think about these types of things. Think about your coworkers. All right. And let me just let me just give you a ridiculous scenario because I want you to understand how practical forgiveness needs to be and how much we need to work this muscle. Okay. You ready? Here's an example. Someone in your group of friends suggests, hey, let's go eat at blank after church today. But someone else in the text message quickly responds and says, no, that's gross. Let's go somewhere else. The original person stays quiet, but inside they feel hurt in a mild form of rejection. They want so badly to act like it's not that big of a deal, but it's not the reality of how they feel. And because they don't want it to affect them or take up any time or thought, they never talk to God about it. But what they notice over time is that they are not enjoying that party pooper who shut down their idea three weeks ago. They're even pre-thinking and assuming what that person is going to say if they share another idea. And they will read into each of their responses with a little bit of a lie that that person is really not for them, somehow against them, doesn't like them, doesn't like their ideas. They never like my ideas. Okay, all that being said, that's a sign of some offense that's, been, that's settled in that we need to deal with. It's a silly example, but that kind of stuff happens every day. And if it's not, like I'm saying, my point is if it's not tended to, it kind of goes in there, and it will affect your relationships negatively. So I'm, don't, we don't want to let the biggest offenses rob us of the freedom God has for us, and we don't want even just little foxes getting into our souls, having a way to affect the way that we relate well to each other, all right? 
Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some really practical stuff. Here's a slide of five steps to forgiveness and kind of how to work this muscle. Okay, it'll be up on the screen. Feel free to take a picture of it or just write them down. But these are, in a sense, ways that I've learned over the years of how to forgive. And um, there's so many different ways to do it. Here's a tool, a way to do this. Um, there's a, on the sermon I gave you earlier from Upper Room, it's very similar to this, but a little different. Um, and here's, here, I want you to understand the context of this, okay? This is not you doing this in the mirror with yourself. This, the context of this is you talking with God. This is the context. It's the presence of God. Because we don't have a chance helping ourselves forgive people. We don't have the power to do that. When you invite God in, when we engage with God, we're, we're, what we're doing is opening up endless power and grace to be able to forgive people. Okay, so this is the context of applying this, all right? So, number one, acknowledge the pain and the blame. Let me go back to my silly example I just shared with you. It's like someone um, is a little bit offended because someone shut down their idea, okay? We want to be humble ourselves before God, even though it feels a little embarrassing sometimes. We want to say, God, ooh, I confess I, that hurt a little bit when Sam rejected my idea. Okay, now listen. Sam never offends me. Uh, I, I'm giving you an example because you, you need to say the person's name before God, not just, Lord, that, that person, you know, that unspoken Lord. <laughs> it's like, no, say the name. Say the person's name. God, I confess it hurt my feelings a little bit. I felt a little rejected. God, I confess I feel this pain um, that Sam caused me. Okay? Point number two. So it's literally, that's it. That's just like, Lord, I acknowledge this hurts. This was wrong. You don't want to try to like cover up for that person. Just go ahead and like acknowledge that they hurt you. And what, how did they hurt you? Number two, ask Jesus to heal your heart. And here's why this is so crucial. Sam running to me and begging for my forgiveness won't heal me. Jesus will heal me. It might help, <laughs> like, okay, okay, at least you understand, you know, that my restaurant was better than yours. Okay, no, it's just, it's like, uh, it might help, but that's, that's, that's people trying to, you're trying to lean on people to, for, to, like, heal your heart. No, 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 there's one healer of our heart. It is Jesus. We need to ask him to heal us. And the reality is a lot of times people do not run and get on their knees and beg for your forgiveness. I've never had anybody do that. There's people that have said, I'm so sorry, but, <laughs> like, it's never to the imagination that I, that I hope. And so that's why we need to go to Jesus and ask him to heal our heart. So it's like, Lord, I confess that hurt when that person shut down, when Sam shut down my idea. And so, Lord, would you heal me? Touch this place in my heart. Heal me, God. Heal me from this feeling of rejection, this feeling of being overlooked. And be real specific. Lord, heal me. And number two, number three, choose to forgive. Everybody say choose. Choose to forgive and refuse, quote unquote, payback. Okay, now there's, Forgiveness is a choice, okay? So it's more than just, God, help me forgive, or God, I want to forgive. No, say the words, God, I choose to forgive this person for what they did was wrong, and it hurt me. I think that you're going to heal me, but Lord, I choose to forgive Sam. I will not hold this against him in Jesus' name. By your grace, Lord, I will not hold this against him. And refuse payback. Now, listen, here's the deal. It is a natural response for all of our human hearts. When we are wronged, we want to wrong back. It is the natural response. So like I've been saying this whole message, we are needing supernatural responses by the Holy Spirit. We need the grace of God. And the natural response is to feel that. So if you start to feel that, it's okay, but just give that feeling to God and say, God, no, I want to pay back, but what I will not. Now think about payback. There's like these big external versions of payback. Like I'm going to scheme in whatever restaurant Sam shut down. I'm going to order a bunch of stuff and just dump it on his driveway until he likes that restaurant. You know, like just random, just extreme like payback. But there's also the, the subtle payback of like I'm now shutting off my heart a little bit to Sam. That is a form of payback. It's like, well, I'm not, next time he texts me, I'm not going to respond for a little bit. Everybody already knows if you text me, I don't respond for a long time anyway, so, <laughs> but it's just like, uh, you know, it's like they settle like, you know, like, that's a form of revenge or payback. I'm going to withhold love because I'm wronged. And so just like, God, no, I don't want to withhold love. I don't want to withhold, I want to, I want to fully forgive, all right? This is making sense? Okay, number four, pray for the person that wronged you. 
pray for the person that wronged you. Just pray for God's blessing over them. I read a verse in Luke um, 6 earlier that says those that wrong you, like do good to them, bless them, pray for those people. Okay, pray for those that wrong and pray God's blessing. Don't pray for coals of fire to fall on their head. You all know that verse, okay? And it is in the context of forgiveness, but the one putting the coals on is not you, okay? It's God. It's also a phrase, an idiom of the past that we don't, you know, just, just don't picture a bunch of ashes and coals falling on people's heads, okay? But it's just you're praying, God, Lord, I bless them. Thank you for them. I forgive them, but Lord, I'm asking for your, your good over them, all right? When we do that, specifically number four, this is when our heart starts to go the right direction in how we feel toward that person. Because you, your, your heart will always be softer towards those you pray for. It will, oh, God does it supernaturally by the Spirit. I don't know exactly how he does it, but when we pray for people, our heart starts to warm towards them in love. So pray for that person. And then number five, move forward with blessing, with love, and with faith. Let me comment on this. So you're moving forward not trying, you know, again, doing these steps, hopefully your heart is changing, you feel less offended, you're moving forward, you're not staying in it, stuck, but you're moving forward, okay, I'm going to bless that person, I'm going to do good to them, I'm not going to withhold from them, okay, I'm going to love them and want the best for them, I'm asking the Lord to increase my love for them, and in faith that God is hearing you as you're talking and that he's going to help you move forward in a healthy way, that's what I mean by moving forward in faith. Now, sometimes this process is a one and done thing, if it's something super small and the Lord meets with you. But sometimes you'll need to do it 100 times over before you start to sense the shift and um, the change. But listen, stay with it because guarding your heart against the root of bitterness is so worth it. So stay with it. Stay with it. No matter how big or small the offense is, stay with it. Now, what I'm not even going to go into, I don't have time today, is this kind of reconciliation. How do you reconcile with someone? What are the steps? Okay. First is go to God for sure. And then if something's remaining and it's still kind of unsettling, there is a place to go to that person in humility not with accusation, I can't believe this, but just like, hey, I'm sorry, but I did take offense at something. I want to talk it through because I care about you and I love you and I care about our relationship. But, you know, it just it hurt my feelings a little bit that you rejected my idea. I know you didn't mean anything by it, but whatever. You know, humble approach, okay? And hopefully that person, because we talked about humility last week, is going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. All right. Okay. Now let me give you, let me wrap up with... Um, Five other points on forgiveness, and um, then band, go ahead and come on up, man. Um, here's just some one-liners on forgiveness, then I'll be done. There's five things that'll be on the on the screen. Forgiveness is all right. Forgiveness is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. I've said that multiple times today. Just repeating it so that you guys really get it. It is not in us naturally to forgive. When we are hurt, our natural response is to take revenge. Okay, this is like an everyday experience with my kids. Every day. Like born ingrained in us when we're young. But we must go to God constantly if we want a chance to be forgiving people. Because it is and ask him for that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Number two, forgiveness is not optional. Not optional. It's a command, it's essential. And when um pastor said it's like forgiveness is our entry into the kingdom but it's our oxygen that we're breathing in the kingdom like we can't live we cannot be sustained without practicing this muscle of forgiveness receiving it from god but extending it to others all the time the phrase i cannot forgive that person should never come out of the mouth of a believer number three um, forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of others now, this might seem unfair, but it is the result of living in a fallen world. People are going to wrong us. And the reality is we are going to live with those consequences anyway, whether we like it or not. The only choice we have is whether we will do so in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. We are, what we're doing is we're entrusting ourselves, we're trusting that person, and entrusting justice itself into the hands of God. Two more. Number four, forgiveness is a choice of the will. I already mentioned this. It's a choice. By his grace, we must activate, you know, his, uh, activate that faith and that grace he's given us by choosing to forgive. Not just help me forgive or, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's, no, I choose to forgive. At the end, I'm going to show you just um, kind of a little scripted prayer that you can fill in some blanks of like how to 
talk to Jesus about forgiving somebody. I'll show you that in just a minute. We also don't want to wait for the offender to apologize before we issue forgiveness. And also, forgiveness is, is different than forgetting. No matter how hard we try to forget someone, no, that's, we, we don't want to do that because it'll cause us to stuff and suppress things. We want to bring it up to God, even if we feel the emotions and the pain of it, and forgive and release. All right, last but not least, this is kind of my favorite. It is a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a lifestyle we embrace. It's not just a one-time act or something we do occasionally when we need to. This is a commitment that we make. Like, I, by the grace of God, will be a forgiving person. Actually, here's a better way to phrase that as I think about this room. We. Everybody say we. The commitment we're making is we are going to be a forgiving people. I'm already pre-deciding that the way that I'm going to interact with you guys in this church is I'm going to forgive you if you wrong me. I'm already deciding that. <laughs> so if you want to practice wronging me, go ahead. <laughs> no, don't do that, actually. That would, that would be complicated. Okay. But the reality is, even if you do something on purpose, the mess me, like, I've, by, before the Lord, I've decided, like, this is how I'm going to live. I am going to be a forgiving person. And I want us to embrace this together because this is absolutely essential to the health of our relationships here. And if we want to actually be a close-knit, tight-knit body of believers, we must commit to walking in forgiveness. And when we do these things, the Lord really does change our hearts. And we start to see people in, in different ways, and our hearts start to soft towards, towards others. Just one quick, I'll give you the short version of the story. I've shared it a couple different times. I just want to really make sure we make time to pray. But early on in my walk with Jesus, I uh, got saved at 17 to this amazing church, and they were so good at discipling. Um, like youth and high school students and so on youth night it wasn't just pizza and foosball and video games it was like sometimes food but it was it was hey we're going to worship God and we're going to cry out to God for revival in our schools and we're going to see his kingdom come and learned a lot about spending time with God and it was just rich rich environment and um, there's teachings all the time one of the core ones was forgiveness and so I kind of early on just kind of took this seriously okay I'm going to forgive people that wronged us mainly I was applying that to my family at first. Then about two years into that journey, um, I had this very difficult experience with the very people in that community that I was walking very closely with. They were, in a sense, my very first Christian friends. And this experience involved a youth pastor that kind of transitioned out or got asked to leave. I was really close to this youth pastor. And in a sense, I was told some negative things about him and, in a, and given a directive, do not speak to him anymore. And I was, uh, I guess, 18 or 19 at the time, so very young, just like two-year-old believer. And I didn't know what to do, but it felt very hard and confusing. And as I pressed into God and started thinking about the heart of God, I was like, I don't know. Like, I need to talk to this person. Like, what did they do that makes, like, that would be worth, like, shunning them? And so processed that through and decided, okay, I'm not going to shun this person. I want to address concerns, and I did. And that person was so humble and repentant. But because I did not decide to break my ties, then, then there was a mark put on me. And then months go on, and P I learned that people were told to not talk to Mitchell anymore. So the very first Christian friends I was walking this stuff out with, like, like this, just all turned. And, like, they wouldn't hang out with me. It was a very difficult experience, very, very hard. But I remember one of the meetings that I came out of when I was told some of this stuff, I get in my car, and this is, I, I can't show you what it was like. The Lord knows he was seeing, but it was, you did not want to be in the car with me. That's for sure. It was very emotional and had a lot of anger. But I remember what came out of my mouth as I'm pounding my steering wheel in anger. It was, God, I will not hold this against them. I will not agree with unforgiveness and bitterness. I will forgive them. And I don't know how that came out of me, but I'm so glad it did because that honestly was a game changer for the rest of my life. So many of my friends at the time went through something similar and they, they took the bait and they got so offended and so mad and their marriages fell apart and they're not, well, they're not walking with God anymore and they hate the church and 
so on and so on, the story that so many of us have heard. And listen, guys, this is a make or break of your health moving forward, of course, within the church, but even just personally, the vibrancy and the healthy heart. We can forgive by his grace. And I share that with you because, man, I want that to be erupting out of us. We will hurt you in this church family. We will, we will wrong each other. We will do things that are offensive. Hopefully, 99.9%, actually 100% of the time, it's on accident. We hope so. <laughs> but, man, what I want rising from us is a commitment to say, I am not going to let even the smallest, of course not the biggest, offense settle in. I'm going to be one who forgives. Amen? Hopefully you want that as well. That's my commitment to you guys. I will forgive you if you wrong me. Let's pray. Lord, we need you so much. Lord, I'm asking right now by the Holy Spirit, you would just come and I just ask for a resolve to arise within us in this room right now that no matter how someone hurts us, how someone offends us and wrongs us, that Lord, there would be forgiveness that comes out of us, Lord. This is the work of your Spirit. We need you, Lord. Lord, I'm asking even across this room that you would bring up things, bring up people, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, bring them up, anybody that we have not forgiven, that we've held a grudge against, that we're carrying unforgiveness and bitterness. Lord, bring that up, and when we lay it down at your feet, when we lay it down at the cross this morning and no longer carry that, Lord, you are big enough to heal us from the hardest hurt and pain. We're not saying that what that person did was okay, but Lord, we are coming to you and saying, Lord, we will forgive them by your grace. Lord, come and meet with us in our pain. Come and meet with us and we say yes to your teaching, Jesus. You are the Lord. You are our leader. You are the teacher. We submit to you.